Okay, it, it, that was a pathetic clap, but it picked up. Okay. Well, a pathetic clap for a pathetic man. Honestly? Hello and welcome to the Magic Wings Clubhouse, a podcast where two best friends get together every so often and recap every episode of the Italian Magical Girl series Wings Club. I'm Brendan, Fairy of the Surging Sea. And I'm Tess, Fairy of the It's My Frickin' Birthday. Today we're watching Season 2, Episode 2, Up to Their Old Tricks. I wonder what's gonna happen. The original Italian title is Return of the Tricks and aired April 21st, 2005. And the four kids dub title Princess of Tides aired September 17th, 2005. Uh, No listener questions because we've had a hell of a time getting this uh, going. We both lead very busy lives with very busy jobs. So we begin at Night Nalfia, where Aisha has been posted up in the infirmary, and she has a night terror recounting the events of last episode for a quick recap in case you missed it. It's a virtual boy nightmare! It's entirely in red. Uh, in the Wink suite, Bloom is worried that Aisha uh, has... Er, hmm. In the Wink Suite, Bloom is worried because Aisha has apparently been unconscious for four straight days, which I'm pretty sure qualifies as a coma. (laughs) Flora tries reassuring her that Aisha's going to be fine, uh, but the rest of the Winks, who are also in the room and in their civilian get-ups from last episode, decide they'd rather gossip instead. They've apparently been awake the entire night, and after some back and forth about how the first week of class is apparently optional, they all pile into their beds to get at least 15 minutes of rest. Uh, Flora assures Bloom that Aisha will be alright, and we transition scenes. (laughs) Don't worry, Bloom. She'll be fine. Cut. Unlike an episode of Gilligan's Island, we don't immediately cut to Aisha not being fine. (laughs) We find ourselves in somewhere that is very Asian-themed, down to the background music and architecture. This is the Light Rock Monastery, a facility where the tricks were sent a few months or so ago. There's some exposition between the two nearby guards that the monastery is focused on rehabilitation of offenders. What a dream. I know, right? It's almost like prison facilities that focus solely on incarceration do nothing for society. And despite this, the tricks have made absolutely no progress since admission. Probably because it's been, like, I don't know, three months? Um, despite this, they believe nobody is beyond redemption, so it's only a matter of time. Real quick. Are are we going to talk about how messed up the four kids dub presents this uh, scenario as? (laughs) Because I guess... I guess the American writers could not conceive of the idea of a facility dedicated to the rehabilitation of the tendencies that made them, you know, megalomaniacal sociopaths. Uh, And instead, 
it's a place dedicated to brainwashing you into being happy. And the guards are also brainwashed? I don't like it, Squidward. I don't. Also, there are children in this monastery? How angry are these babies? I don't know. Maybe they're the kids of, like, staff. That's the way old school American prisons worked, is you would just live on the grounds with your family. No, this this usually ended badly. (laughs) Is this Winx Club Australia? It might be. Uh, We take a quick vada at the Polone's Ajax with the tricks. Hey guys, Editor Tess here. Uh, So... I ignored this when he said this, but apparently Vara the Polone's Ajax means look at the girls over there. So, if you were confused, don't worry, I was too. Come join the club! We are the Wings! Who are in the most comically pastoral meadow that has ever existed. According to Darcy, they have tried escaping by just walking into the horizon like ten times, but every time they get there, they just warp back to the start. Also, they've got these uh, funky green headbands on that are suppressing their powers, so they can't use magic to get out. Not mind-controlling, as I originally thought. Nope, just power limiters. Uh, They must be made of cold iron fairy joke um the the tranquil background music is diegetic i guess and it is interrupted as a voice comes over a loudspeaker implanted in one of the trees that forecasts uh clear skies with gentle breezes at a balmy 72 for the next several hundred years and then the background music kicks right back in see i just (laughs) time for teletubbies time for teletubbies Icy, Stormy, Warmy, Darcy, there's not a fourth one. Um, real quick, so far, nothing has been changed around in 4Kids, and it's actually a pretty good adaptation. Yeah, I noticed that aside from the unnatural layer of menace slapped on top of Light Rock, (laughs) this episode is a pretty straightforward adaptation. So, uh, Stormy wants to Hulk smash the place and has a series of trash bat trash backs? Flashbacks. <laughs> a trash back, a tricks flashback. Uh, to their antics last season, and this flashback is in purple for the audience at home. But she is interrupted by another loudspeaker tree that encourages her to think positively. Hold on. Be- it wasn't purple. I thought, I, I could swear it was in my recollection. Was it green? I saw green. It might have been green. I don't know why my brain decided it was purple. Because my note says Game Boy Nightmare. Yeah, then that would be entirely in green. And right now I'm worrying that this is just a clip show. You know, thankfully it's not. Uh, they really only do these two brief things. And instead of showing full clips, the scenes are just dubbed over with music so that if this is your first episode of Winx Club for some reason, you're kind of like up to speed on who the characters are. Uh, 
But this uh, this voice that's on the loudspeaker is apparently teaching the trick Zen 101. Or at least, you know, like the New Age version of Zen Buddhism. Not actual Buddhism. But like what white people think it is. Mom, you don't get it. After I came back from India, I have ascended. Uh, Stormy rips the speaker off the tree and tries to smash it, but apparently it is indestructible. Uh, she yeets the broad speaker a few hundred feet, but uh, it's still coming in loud and clear. And it turns out that the tricks have been surrounded by speakers broadcasting the peaceful meditation channel, which means that they are trapped in hell. Real quick, I really wanted uh, Stormy to yeet it like a frisbee, and then have a random person catch it, and then they just start playing frisbee with the speaker. <laughs> what is this, Scooby-Doo 2002? <laughs> like... <laughs> How funny would that uh, her anger had turned it to joy for other people? Yeah, that that would have been a good gag. I wonder when Sugar Ray is going to start playing. <laughs> Back at Alfia, Wizgiz gives a lecture on the magical version of Newton's third law of motion. Every positive in the universe has a negative equivalent. Real quick, um, I was actually watching this with my roommate. Mm -hmm. Whiskey's has retractable teeth. <laughs> That's terrible. I hate it, actually. Like, he smiles and he has a full set of teeth, but then he just has buck teeth sometimes. Conservation of detail, I think. It's just an animation thing. He has retractable teeth and cannot be stopped. Back at Alfio, Whiskey's gives a lecture on the magical version of Newton's third law of motion. Everything positive in the universe has a negative equivalent. He demonstrates this by conjuring a ball of light equivalent to the light existing in the room, which can only be shown when the room is dark. He explains that, like the light, good and evil are naturally in a state of balance, but when one starts to grow too powerful, they sometimes require outside interference to relevel themselves. This is diagrammed by, of course, a yin and yang symbol, because... Eastern mysticism, I guess. He then specifically calls on Bloom, who is running on empty, to tell him what's missing in the diagram. <laughs> uh, Bloom can only remember that Stella has a pair of earrings in the same shape. So Wizgiz starts explaining that there is a theoretical third form of energy, represented by the ice dragon type Pokemon Q-Rem before she passes out on her desk. I'm so glad you read that joke as written, because I really liked it. Um, in... In four kids, um, Wizgiz is so pissed that Bloom is falling asleep in her class. She needs to write a thirty-page report on like something. This is the first Buzz. day of classes, guys. We okay. just saved the world. After class, we go to the infirmary where Flora and Musa are helping look after Aisha, who finally wakes up from her coma, and looks at her hands and is able to deduce that it has been approximately four days. Oh, um, uh, weird, um, weird, uh, detail. Um, in the room, there is an eye chart because she is currently in the infirmary. In four kids, it is changed to a poster showing different kinds of plants. Huh. That's weird. 
I think it's because it had some, like, Cyrillic, like, not English letters on it. And Which it might probably... have. And that because was... Pokemon for kids, it might have scared the children. So. I guess uh, they probably did non-specific writing just to be sure that it it wouldn't have to be changed in localization. But yeah, for kids. They've done that with Pokemon before. They love doing that with Pokemon. I don't know if TPCI still does it. Probably not. But they have taken Japanese writing completely out of the Pokemon show. It's just a different... It's just a different... Uh, random letters that don't mean anything. Uh, after uh, checking her internal clock to deduce how long she's been out, uh, Aisha clamors and asks where Piff is, and when Flora and Musa don't react, she just collapses again. Maybe she can tell how many tides have missed. She missed. Uh, well, yeah, if she's, the, if she's the fairy of tides, she's probably tied to the moon cycle in some way. Like a Mako mermaid. Or a woman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bloom and Stella join Flora and Musa, and they muse, pun unintended, about uh, Aisha's condition. And who says that she's just under the weather? Is that... Flora, or is it the school nurse? I didn't write it down. It's probably the school nurse, because I have a note that says that, um, the nurse says that in Four Kids, uh, Aisha is suffering from post-Winks depletion syndrome. Or PUDS. Very potent. Very fatal. Uh, yeah, instead of just being exhausted and traumatized, it has to be magical exhaustion and trauma. <laughs> uh, and then Aisha wakes back up and, you know, who are you people? Musa explains that she is at Althea and that Piff is, uh, safely there nearby. <laughs> Uh, she's just on, like, a pillow, like a cat, despite being a full-ass baby who can fly. <laughs> but I guess she's just been asleep for four days. Uh, and Bloom reminds the audience about Pixie Bonds. Uh, that, just for our audience, fairies can intrinsically bond with pixies on a magical level in a bond that is described as being like familial but magically family alakazam that's your stepsister <laughs> uh when stella asks aisha if she's ready to eat something uh and produces a decent looking sandwich where did that come from who knows <laughs> Uh, Stella asks this too loud and wakes the baby up. And because the baby woke up, a baby starts crying. And when the baby cries, much like Togepi using Metronome, uh, the sandwich that Stella was holding just splatters all over Aisha. I forget what happens in Four Kids, because again, it's been a week since I've watched this episode. Uh, Stella has never been around a baby before, apparently. 
I, I fully, I fully buy that. Um, okay. A short while later, Aisha is actually eating something, and the Winks, minus Tecna, introduce themselves to her. Aisha brings up that the Pixies are still in trouble, and Bloom tells her that she should probably talk to Farragonda about the situation. Aisha gives them the backstory on how the Pixies ended up captured. Uh, she and her family were always close to the Pixies and would visit them every year, but this year they found the Pixie Village empty. The Pixies had gone to do a nature ritual in the forest, but they were interrupted and captured by Darkar's shadow creatures. Aisha was told this by the only two Pixies who escaped, and she followed the trail of tar that the shadow creatures left behind in the Underdark, where Aisha was ambushed by Darkar in his shadow phoenix mode. Oh, that sentence was long. Yeah, it is. He overpowered Aisha, captured her, and drained her power before throwing the last two pixies in the magic cells we saw in the last episode. Aisha rather chillingly states that there are only a few of them left. So Darkar has definitely just completely drained some of the pixies. They have been eaten. Or turned to gold. Yeah, he gargamelled them. It's fine. Aisha breaks down sobbing, feeling like she failed by letting the pixies be recaptured. She's comforted by She's comforted by Bloom and Musa, and Bloom promises that the Winks will help her free the other pixies. They've been voluntold into helping this season. Bloom Bloom's law blog. Uh, in a brief aside, we cut back to Darkar's place in. I mean, you can just keep that as is. <laughs> Here's the thing. I didn't read Darker, which is the actual typo. <laughs> <laughs> you can, it, it's like, don't worry. It's like the puzzle place, but much more sinister. <laughs> in a brief aside, we cut back to Darkar's palace in the Underdark, where he summons his bat-familiar Kerbog for a debriefing. Real quick, Kerbog sounds like a Power Rangers villain. Uh, I think it's supposed to be based on, like, Kernabog, the, the the devil from Fantasia. Also the Slavic god of the underworld, but mostly the big guy from Fantasia. Ah, yes. Treating religion like public domain. Kinda is. Kinda, it, it's a, religion is tricky because religion is inherently public domain on one hand. Especially the free game ones that are, you know, like the European uh, pagan religions tend to be pretty freely used for pop culture purposes. And it's much more complex and nuanced when you start doing that with faiths outside of the European pagan traditions. (laughs) Oh, man. You can also do it with Christianity. Just ask Ultraman. Uh, Fun fact, as learned today from Sean J. Zhao... Uh, the reason that uh, tokusatsu heroes get crucified all the time, and a lot of anime characters get crucified all the time, it's it's Ultraman's fault. Because Ultraman was made by a Catholic. You know, that makes sense. Yeah, the Ultras are, are space Jesus. It's fine. I hope you know that I'm keeping a lot of this in because we are currently at 25 minutes. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this wasn't a very dense episode. It was a lot of flashbacks. The flashbacks took up maybe five minutes. In a 22-minute episode of television. 
Through one-sided exposition, we learn that the codex that Darkar is seeking was split into four pieces. The pixies have one, and the other three are hidden in the schools of magics. So this is basically a JRPG fetch quest. Right? I was just thinking, well, Final Fantasy much? This is, um, this is very find all the shards of the Triforce, you know, collect all the magic instruments to wake the wind fish. Find all the rainbow crystals, get the ball of light to defeat the dragon lord and rescue the princess. Is that Dragon Quest? That's Dragon Quest 1. Ah, yeah, sounded like it. (sighs) With a name like Dragon Lord. See, just that plot summary was the most Japanese RPG version of a European fantasy story that I could think of. Dragon Quest was inspired by, like, Ultima and, like, D&D and... It was the first JRPG. Full stop. The reason it didn't do well over in the States is because, as far as we were concerned, Final Fantasy was the first. And then Dragon Quest came out in, like, 89 over here, when it came out in 86 in Japan. So, naturally, it's gonna feel a bit dated. Hmm. Anyway, we have one paragraph left, and it's about to storm. Uh, This transitions back to Light Rock Monastery, where the Shadow Phoenix swoops in and overpowers the guards, before we return attention to the tricks, who are miserable as they can be. The blue skies over the field they're in turn blood red and Darkar walks out of a dimension rift, and his sheer presence is so evil that it burns the ground beneath his feet. Icy is totally into it and delivers a very George Decay worthy, oh my... <laughs> uh, Dark R swoops them beneath his cape and teleports them free, breaking their power limiter crowns and restoring them to their color-coordinated jumpsuits. And they're basically like, I don't care who the frick you are, you're getting us out of here, we're cool. Uh, the guards of the monastery are apparently called Templars, so uh, I guess they've been stuck in the circle this whole time? <laughs> So the Templars rush in to stop them, and they turn out to be immune to the Trix's witchcraft. That is, until Darkar gives all three of them fun doll accessories to boost their powers. Uh, Stormy and Darcy get a gauntlet each, and Icy gets a sick nasty necklace. Uh, Darkar calls this their glue mix. And defeating the Templars will be their first test to determine if they are worthy of serving Lord Darkar. So, Darcy casts Mass Blindness, Stormy and Icy make an ice tornado that freezes them all solid, and Icy is super into how much power this necklace gives her, and mentions that it'll probably be really easy to get a hold of the dragon flame with it. But Darkar tells them that the universe has even greater power than the dragon flame, and soon that overwhelming power will belong to him. Even stronger than Magic Jesus? Of course, Magic Satan. (gasps) And, uh, so he shifts back into beast mode and flies the tricks to his underground palace. And the episode ends with Bloom just kind of staring into the middle distance on her balcony, feeling like something bad is about to happen. This ending sucked. Not, 
not the last bit, but like something bad's gonna happen. Open your eyes, open your mind. Come on. Yeah, it's very anticlimactic. But I mean, last episode had a really strong ending, so I guess it evens out. Yeah, it evens out in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Uh, did you have any highlights for this episode? The Virtual Boy Nightmare was fun. Um, not really. Uh, I like that Darkar is apparently just straight up Satan. Okay, yeah, that that's kind of rad. Like. His his horrible hooves burn the ground he walks upon. Those are his hooves, you bus. He claims to have greater power than the great dragon, or at least access to greater power than the great dragon. And he My- lives in a castle in hell with gooey monsters <laughs> to do his every bidding. Okay, sure. My only highlights are, like, the weird and horrible changes between Four Kids and Cineloom. Uh, those are pretty standard. Uh, again, I want to say that I am very impressed with Four Kids for this episode, as there were very little changes made overall. Right, but the one glaring change of brainwashing... Yeah, but brainwashing, but it's good because it's being done to bad people, which, yikes. Are, are you sure? Because one of those, um, uh, Titiclon? Titiclon and Cacophonic? Those two guards, I think they were named? If they were, I didn't catch it. And if they, and I, it... I'm not surprised they have fantasy names, but I really wish they were just named, like, Rick and Steve. Uh, Titty and Kaka. Huh. No, we'll be demonetized. <laughs> we make money off of this sh- Uh, hopefully someday. Uh, but yeah, just the fact that he's also questioning it is odd. Yeah, we have a conscientious objector, too. The magic rehab program. Time to take him to the rehabilitation chamber. Ugh. Yeah, weird decision for kids. But other than that, kudos on doing a... Honestly, the dialogue was mostly the same except for the four kids flavor. Right. That was nice. Um... I wonder if this is going to be a constant throughout the season. Probably not, but one can uh, dream. I know for a fact that at some point this season, we are going to get into a massive plot hole caused by the dub. Oh, fun. It only exists in four kids because of a dialogue change. Great. That causes a dramatic reveal to make no sense. Perfect. Good on you, four kids. You're back to being terrible. So with that, uh, this is an incredibly short episode in recording. It's going to be even shorter once it's edited. So enjoy this episode that's most likely going to clock in under half an hour, Club Kids. If you like what you heard today in an incredibly truncated format, you can follow the show at Pod on Twitter. 
you can email us at magicwinksclubhouse at gmail.com. Or you can also follow each of us individually, though I will warn you, I only ever post about my uh, ongoing tabletop, which is going to be over soon. So after that, it's just going to be back to solid retweets. Uh, I am at Sonata Waves, S-O-N-A-T-A-W-A-V-E-S. You stole my fucking bit, you asshole. Sorry, I was on a roll. I don't speak a lot during this thing as is. I'd like to think we've gotten better at that. You can follow me, Tess, on Twitter at Pocky Slice. That is Pocky, like the delicious Japanese snack. Slice as in slicing out your frontal lobe so you don't have any more evil thoughts. Uh, Slice is in a slice of birthday cake. It's a birthday! Alright, I am gonna go veg out and play Dragon Quest. Join us next week. Let me pull up the episode title. I can't believe I forgot to pull this up in advance. I can't believe it's not butter. Alright, join us next week for episode three. Rescue Mission. That's it? (laughs) That's it. Okay. Uh, uh, it's Lightspeed Rescue Time. Uh, okay, until next time, meeting adjourned. Open your eyes, open your mind. We are the Wings. Wings, if your hand is holding mine, we can fly through space and time. And together we be surfing winners. Wings, with a smile you can enchant. You light up our world. We'll fly the moonlit sky together. I think we've had another audio disconnect and I can't hear you. I'm still here. I'm, I'm dying, but I'm here. <laughs> okay.